Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of Demi Mond Paranormal Podcast. Um, tonight we're just gonna do something simple and something classic. We're just gonna be telling some good old-fashioned ghost stories for tonight's episode. Some new and modern, and some classic. We're going to be covering some ghost stories that I found on Reddit, and also some ghost stories I found all around the web. Some might be from all around the world. Um, we're gonna try to get to haunted houses. Maybe you think some haunted churches and cemeteries and um, haunted schools and all that good stuff. So it's pretty just a relaxed podcast just to listen to and just to, you know, get spooked and kill some time in the time of this pandemic. And hopefully you'll be mildly entertained as well. That's what I strive to do. So, without any further ado, I'm going to take us to our next segment and end this intro. Alright, see you guys there. Alright, so hey guys, welcome to our first segment of our 15th episode. I can't believe it's already, we already got to 15 episodes in this podcast. When I first started this podcast, I was like, you know, I don't know how often I'm going to do this or how I'm going to like it, but so far it's been pretty good. I just want to give a little special shout out to all my listeners from all around the world, and I hope you stick with me during this time. So as I said before... I wanted to just, um, tell some simple ghost stories from all around the world, all around the U.S., and in places like, in other places like that. Um, we're gonna be covering haunted houses, um, haunted cemeteries, churches, maybe even castles. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, and tonight I just wanted to start out with the stories I found on reddit.com here. So we're just going to dive right into that right now. Okay, so our first story here is is called, it's just entitled Doppelganger. And it's told by the Reddit user QuietVoice4846. Okay, so this is what this Reddit user has to say. And I quote, Late at night, I usually go to the bathroom multiple times, but for the past four days, every time I go to leave, I can see myself standing in the mirror 
from the corner of my eye. It is like the other me is watching me leave the bathroom. It terrifies, it terrifies me to the point to where I almost run out without looking directly at the mirror. I told my husband about it because I didn't want to acknowledge it. Oh no, I'm sorry. She never told her husband about it because she did not want to acknowledge this strange occurrence out loud. So, er so earlier today, I took a nap in our bed while he sat in the chair next to it, next to it, watching TV. When I woke up, he told me that he had seen me sit up and crawl backward to the edge of the bed and stand up in front of our bedroom door from the corner of his eye. He thought it was weird that I got up like that because I'm in the last month of my pregnancy and I really can't move so good without hurting. So he tried talking to me. When I didn't answer, he looked at me, he looked at the door to find me not there and still sleeping in bed. I got really creeped out and I finally told him about what I had been seeing in the bathroom. He thought it was creepy as well, but didn't want to really talk about it anymore because he thinks it's because he thinks it will give whatever it is power or energy. I have no idea what it wants or why we both saw it. So that's it. That is actually a pretty creepy story, though, if I don't say so myself. What do you guys think it was? Do you think it was a doppelganger, or do you think it was something else taking the form of this woman? Either way, it's I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not good, and she should definitely be careful. Okay, so here's a story about a haunted hotel, and this is by the Reddit user Bright underscore Eyes 10. And I quote this story, okay? When I was 15, I traveled to Europe with my family. We stayed in Etal, Germany, in a small inn for a few nights. My parents had a double bed on the second floor. My sisters had the double bedroom next to theirs and I was lucky enough to have a single room all to myself at the far end of the hall. When we went to check into our rooms, as soon as I entered the hallway our rooms were in, I remember feeling as though I walked into a wall of bad energy. I just, so, I just felt so unnerved and uneasy in that hallway, but I passed it off as an overactive imagination. I slept the first night without any issues other than waking up a few times. The next morning at breakfast, one of my sisters mentioned feeling really uncomfortable in the hallway, almost as if the air was crushing. It unnerved me even more that I wasn't the only one who felt weirded out. Plus, she was an, an adult at the time, so it further cemented it in my head that that wing of the hotel was really odd. <laughs> so that's the end of that story. What do you guys think? I feel like maybe that's some residual bad energy that was left in that part of the hotel. But yeah, if two people are feeling that way, then there's something there. 
also the story continues so she has I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's a she but I'm not sure here so the story continues though alright so later that night I'm sleeping peacefully when about at 2am I'm woken up by something ripping the covers off of me and being jerked about two feet forwards to the edge of the bed by my ankle. At first I thought someone had broken into my room because I was turned towards what had grabbed me, a a huge looming black shape was visible in the darkness like a man was in my room. I frantically switched on the light, only to to find nothing there. The window was locked from the inside, and there was no one in the closet or the bathroom. My room was still locked from the inside. So there was... Okay, so... So each and every place where somebody could have gone into was locked. The window was locked, and her room was locked so obviously the problem was coming from inside and that seems like it was definitely haunted and the story continues she says that she stayed up the rest of the night scared so she played cooking mama on her ds which i don't see why i don't i don't blame her for that really do anything that will get you through that because that's creepy as all heck and this story continues here. The next morning, we are all at breakfast, and my sister mentions that she was up half the night because she's, she thought she saw a person silhouetted against the wall of the room. But when she turned on the light, there was no one there. It was just a bizarre and creepy experience. We checked out that day, so I didn't get to ex- experience anything after that, but it still freaks me out to this day. So that's the end. That is the end of the story right there. So what do you think of that? That is absolutely. Maybe it was. I'm gonna say it was definitely a ghost, of course, but I don't know. Who's to say if it was evil or had bad intentions? I'm gonna say it had bad intentions because if it was all black and was ripping stuff, then yeah, that's a pretty creepy story, actually. Alright, so this story is entitled The Rocking Horse by Reddit user Hearseed. Okay, I'm going to begin the story from what this Reddit user recounts. So, one night when I was maybe 10 or 12, I had trouble falling asleep. My bedroom was the entire top floor of our house with my bed in such being on the left side in storage closets in a play area on the right. I was lying in bed when I heard a noise come from the other side of the room and saw a rocking horse begin to rock. It was sitting just outside one of the storage closet doors. It proceeded to walk it proceeded to rock its way halfway across the room and stopped dead under the, st- the ceiling light. At this point, I'm freaking out and just buried my head under my blankets and never peeked out again until morning. 
When I woke up, the rocking horse was still in the middle of my room. Furthermore, my I got a stern reprimand from my parents for being up out of bed playing with my toys when it was well past my bedtime. Their bedroom was directly below the storage closet slash play area and had heard creaking and shuffling across the room all night. So they were they thought it was their kid, you know, being a little naughty boy or girl. And they were like, okay, you know, you're playing, you're out of bed. And now the poor kid was being tormented by a ghost who, you know, played with poor rocking chair in the middle of their room. And like we said in the story, like, the rocking horse started this rocking for no reason. There was no foreseeable force to make it rock at all, especially rock into the middle of the room. Which makes me think it could have been a child ghost or something pretending to be a child. Or even just a regular ghost trying to get attention from the little kid. Who knows? And it doesn't really, you know, go into any other detail like what happened or any follow-up. or It just kind of leaves it at, you know, my parents thought I was playing but I wasn't. And, you know, it just leaves it after the morning after. We don't know what happened after that. Or if they ever happened again. But it just leaves me to wonder, what was it? And then we have another story here by Reddit user Fuzzy Bandits with a Z. What's, their story is entitled... Shh. Alright. <laughs> it's not called shh. Alright, I just said it right. But anyway, I'm gonna quote the story here for y'all okay so I begin when I was a teenager I used to babysit my cousin Alyssa she was little maybe about two maybe a little older old enough to say sentences I was giving her a bath before bed when she looks out into the hallway and gets a terrified look on her face and starts crying at this moment my aunt's Pomeranian starts going nuts as well barking and growling in the hallway. The atmosphere in the room became really uncomfortable, and I started getting scared. I took her downstairs to the third floor of the townhouse to try to calm her down. I asked her what was wrong, and she said something along the lines of, the man with the black eyes was there. When I continued to pry, She looked up at the second floor stairs, her eyes getting big, and she looks at me, bringing her fingertip to her mouth, and said, Shh, while shaking her head, No. Alright, so what do you guys think of that one? Oh my god, that'd be creepy as all heck. Um, there's no really follow-up to this story other than the little cliffhanger that was given to us by this Reddit user, Fuzzy Bandits. But honestly, I really don't know what to make of that. The man with the black eyes that was lingering around on the second, the, the second floor stairs. I guess just staring at them. And the um, Pomeranian starts going nuts as well when his thing makes a presence and it's and as they said it was barking and growling in the hallway 
in the atmosphere was getting really uncomfortable. So I'm going to say this entity wasn't the nicest. But you guys, you know, you let me know what you think. I always ask that, but you know, it's good to get a second opinion. (laughs) Alright, I'm going to move on to our next story here by the Reddit user Scarlet Beeswax. In this story is entitled The Trickster. Alright, so let's begin Scarlet Beeswax story here. I lived in this house with a basement, and every time I walked up the stairs, I would get this weird, creepy goosebumps feeling on the back of my neck. It didn't make me uneasy to go down the stairs or to be in the basement. My craft room was down there, and I spent a lot of time down there, making crafts. After a while, I would have items I was using disappear when I would look for them, or they would disappear when I would look away from them. I would search and search, and one day I got frustrated, and to no one in particular, I said, Ah! Can I please have my scissors back? I just looked underneath the pile of new mail, and when I turned my head, there were my scissors on top of the pile of mail. I talked to my neighbor, and she told me that the original owner of the house was a jolly old man who loved to, if you guessed it, pull pranks on people, and that he had fallen coming up from the stairs one day, and he died. I think the goosebumps were him trying to tell me to be careful, and that every time after that, when something would disappear, I would politely ask for it back, and then it would appear in a place that I have not missed it before. Thanks, old man. It was fun. So that was Scarlet Beeswax thanking the old man ghost, the old prankster ghost for hiding his stuff and then returning it. So, unlike the last few stories we told on here, this ghost doesn't seem to be evil. It just seems to be, you know, just a little prankster ghost, which, whatever. I mean, I'm sure it has to get annoying sometimes, but at least he isn't horrible. <laughs> so, this story I'm about to tell y'all is by a sing- um, this is by a user named Vanilla Gorilla, and this story takes place when she was a single mother raising her four-year-old daughter, and the story is entitled Unwanted Tenants. So I'll begin the story by saying, my daughter was four years old when we lived in our last home. I was a single mom at the time, so it, it, was, just that she, it was just she and I alone in the home. I always got uncomfortable in her room, particularly the closet area, but never thought much of it. Until one evening, I had put her to bed and I was doing chores. I walked by her room and heard her whispering. I listened listened for a bit, thinking she was talking to herself, but it was definitely a two-way conversation with her saying, "Uh Uh-huh, okay and stuff like that. I walked in and asked her who she was talking to. She smiled uncomfortably and said, No one. 
I took her out into the hall and she didn't say anything, but I could tell she was afraid. Finally, we went outside of the house. She said there was a man in her room who didn't want us in the house, and he had told her this and to tell her mom to leave. I moved this out a month later. She has never since had an episode like this. Alright, so our next story here is by Reddit user Big Chala, and the story is entitled Family Reunion. And to quote this Reddit user, I'll begin by telling you the story. Okay, so one day when my daughter was two, we were having a terrible twos moment. She was throwing a bit of a tantrum for about five to ten minutes, and we couldn't get her under control. At some point, she rather suddenly stopped and started staring at the wall. She then started lightly giggling. It was weird. One second she is crying and screaming, and the next she is smiling and happy. Then she starts saying, Funny lady, over and over. We asked her who she saw, and she pointed to the wall again and said, The funny lady. When we asked her to describe who she saw, she described my deceased grandmother. I mean, exactly described her. She had never met her, and I don't think had ever seen a picture. Not that a two-year-old two could remember a picture. I am, not, um, I am not much of a believer in the paranormal, but I know for sure that my daughter got a chance to meet my mom, and that makes me happy. When I told this story to my parents, they didn't seem as shocked as I was. When I tried to get a response from them, they looked at me and said, I guess you don't remember when you met your dead grandfather when you were three. The same exact thing happened to you 30 years ago. Now, this story I'm about to tell y'all is from Snap Judgment. Um, it's, content it's called The Guardian. Now, this story is about a young woman I'm guessing and it starts out that she's talking she had a fight with her boyfriend and she drove to the park now this was happening when the sun was kind of down below the tree line so it wasn't fully dark yet and she had pulled into the parking lot so I quote her when I say this after she drove into the parks parking lot she was met by two guys sitting in their cars talking side by side one in each separate car. So I'm going to begin the story in her words. When I got out of my car, the guy in the truck just started staring at me in a horrible way. You know, when someone just looks at you like they're looking right through you as if you don't exist. I thought, well, this is weird. It's late and no one's ever here. And then I thought, whatever, they're leaving. I don't care. I have my own problems. I only took my keys with me because I didn't want a big purse banging around. I headed across the field, which you had to cross through to get to the woods because there is no trail. I was taking my time and calming down, and then I realized it got really quiet. I didn't hear the birds or the squirrels anymore. 
I just heard something big moving through the woods. I thought to myself, maybe it's a dog. And then I heard the voices. The first voice was of a male's voice, and he said, I know. I saw her go this I saw her go in this way. She couldn't have gotten very, that far. Then the second voice comes and it's quieter and it says, Shh, she'll hear you. Okay, so there, so there are two men in the woods and they're looking for something, obviously. And I kept thinking, it must be their dog. They must have lost their dog. And then I thought, they wouldn't try to sneak up on it. I stood there frozen because that's the kind of person I am. I could hear them getting closer to me, and I don't know how long I stood there waiting for them to get to me, but I was completely frozen, and I could hear the other voice. It was distorted, like if you heard someone talking through a closed door or talking underwater. You could understand what they were saying, but the voice wasn't right. It wasn't in my head because it had a volley a volume in a pitch that changed that my thoughts definitely don't do. I could almost feel where it was coming from. It was behind me, and like a little above, like it was taller than me. It just said, go to the river now. I don't know if I was more scared of the fact that there's some disembodied voice of a person talking to me, or there are two men in the woods. I listened to the voice because I didn't have any other options. I took off towards the river. I made a ton of noise because I was just going as fast as I could, and the voice came back and said, no, quietly. I go to the river and jumped down the embankment. I squished myself against it, squeezing down into the smallest, tightest ball I could. The voice kept telling me to stay. And I just sat there, hoping whoever it was in the moods was going to leave, and that I was having some kind of a breakdown. And I kept hearing them moving through the woods, and I could tell they had split off. As I sat there, the voice kept telling me to stay and keep quiet over and over again, like it was trying to comfort me. I could hear what, sound, what sounded like someone was right above me, and if I leaned out, they could see me. But I had to look. I just tilted my head up a tiny bit, and I could see the tips of those construction boots hanging just over the edge. And I could see, hanging next to them, this dirty old rope just swinging next to them, just swinging. I didn't think... I didn't even... I didn't even think anything. I was so scared. I tried not to breathe. It felt like hours, but I know it couldn't have been that long. The voice even was completely silent. There was nothing but me hearing this man breathing. He started to walk away at some point, and the voice kept telling me to wait. So I waited. And finally the voice said, Go now. To the field. Go now. It was screaming at me so loud. So I ran through the woods and just got to the field far, far away from the cars and street. It was getting dark, and I could see the parking lot, but it was so far away. 
I'm run as I was running and I started hearing footsteps running behind me and at first they were farther away but they were much faster than I was barreling after and they were barreling after me and there was and then there was nothing I fully expected to see at least one of those men there but there was nothing it was silent the only thing I could think was that this, those footsteps must have been must have belonged to the voice and I hear it again screaming at the top of its lungs that I needed to run right now and the footsteps came back and they were in pace with me running next to me through the field I had a thousand crazy thoughts because none of this made any sense finally I got to my car and I see both the cars were parked in different places with nobody in them I refused to look behind me if there hadn't been a voice I probably would have been a missing person's case. It got me out of there. Wow. So what do you guys think of that story? That is definitely a guardian angel or guardian spirit protecting this young lady. Alright, and there's another story we got here called A Watery Grave. And I think this story is from the same place that we told the previous story from so this story is called a watery grave and i don't know who wrote this story or who story this is and have like a member name or username associated with this story here but whosoever story this is um give it a shout out however way you can privately message me on here or go on facebook.com if you if you listen to this podcast so i'm going to begin this story here and to quote whoever this is he or she says i didn't believe i didn't grow up believing in ghosts then one morning when we all were 16 when my mom's friend picked me up for a carpool I mentioned that I was really creeped out by this bathroom under the stairs in my house that no one ever used. I couldn't exactly define why I felt this way. I just found it eerie. The house I grew up in was an old Victorian home built in the 1800s, so eerie vibes were part of the package. Hearing this reminded my friend of her own creepy bathroom association. She told me that when she lived in the German countryside for a year, that there was a little section in the home that no one but her middle sister used, who was about nine years old at the time. During this time period, her sister would wake up with bloodshot eyes, even bruises, and felt totally exhausted. They did everything to investigate what was going on, including sleeping in her room, working with a child psychologist and a school counselor. My friend doesn't remember much of the time period, other than her sister being disturbed by something the year they lived there. She mentioned that she and her other sister, the oldest, also hated using the bathroom because they could always feel an off. It would always feel off and fine thick black hair stuck in the drain, even though each of them had fine blonde hair. At this point of the story, my mom's friend abruptly stopped the car and jerked her head around and said, That's where the woman who once lived there killed herself. 
She drowned herself in that tub. Her mom was clearly shaken. She said part of the reason they moved was because something fell off in that house. So that's a, that is actually a pretty creepy story if I don't say so myself. Seems like it has pretty heavy energy associated, pretty heavy negative energy. But I have no clue whose story this is to give them credit, but if you know, let me know. And I'll see you guys in our next segment. See you then. Alright, welcome back, y'all. Um, for this segment, I thought we would be looking more so at haunted locations rather than haunted houses or haunted personal experiences. And that creaking of the door was my black cat, Chloe, coming in to visit me. I must say, Chloe, that was perfectly timed because that actually made me jump a little bit, I'm not gonna lie. But our first location that I found here is Sloss Furnaces in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama. Now, you guys may have heard of that one. I've heard of it, but I'm not so um, familiar with the story here. So, let's find out what the story is about Birmingham, about Sloss Furnaces. So, so, this was founded in 1871 five years after the Civil War and with afters like like, as we all know after wars comes with you know time to rebuild America and you know kind of get things back under control and get things going and fix the economy and fix crumbling infrastructure and they needed time into the need for tons of pig iron was needed to help America's crumbling infrastructure. So to, satis- to satisfy their demand, Colonel James Withers Sloss started construction on, on Sloss Furnaces. A year later, the company opened its doors to hundreds of employees, including its own official website. Obviously later, though. Although working on blast furnaces was an advanced job, it was also very dangerous. That danger was soon realized as workers started being incinerated in the furnaces and falling to their deaths. Now, back in the 1800s, health and code regulations weren't the best, as we all know. So, I feel like a lot of deaths, and it's no wonder why this place is haunted. But anyway, conditions only worsened in the early 1900s after a cruel foreman known as James Slag, and get this, listen to his last name, Wormwood, took a... (laughs) So, James Slag Wormwood took a job at Sloss. And according to Reader's Digest, Wormwood took dangerous risks in order to increase production. 
As a result, nearly 50 employees died on site and many were involved in terrible accidents during his tenure. Allegedly, in retaliation, his workers tossed him into the furnace in 1906. Now, legend has it, you can still tour the grounds today, if you dare. But while there, you might hear the voice of old Slag himself to get back to work, along with the other paranormal occurrences. <laughs> so our next location, it takes place in New York here. And this hotel, this is a ho haunted hotel, oh no, I'm sorry, apartment building known as the Dakota and the Dakota might be familiar to some of y'all as one of the most famous residents Mr. John Lennon in Yoko Ono if you don't know who John Lennon is he was in the Beatles and if you don't know who the Beatles are well I can't help you because <laughs> that that's just like I don't know who the Beatles are anyway I'm going to like so the Dakota opened back in 1884 and John Lennon and Yoko Ono moved into the building in 1973 until the tragic death of John Lennon in 1980 by Mark David Chapman. So before his death John claimed to see a crying lady ghost, to quote what he said. She, he claims that he saw a crying lady ghost roaming the halls. Then after John, after John was killed, Yoko claims that she, she claims that she actually saw John's ghost sitting at his piano. And she still lives in the, in the Dakota as well. She claims that she saw her long-lost love sitting at his his piano, and Yoko says that John told her, Don't be afraid. I am still with you. Okay, so our next location is Eureka Springs in Arkansas, and this is the Crescent Hotel. Now, the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, opened in 1886, and apparently it's haunted by a worker named Michael who was killed during construction, and he still reportedly still haunts room 218. Now, the room, the hotel become, became under the ownership of a known medical fraud named, named Norman Baker in 1937 and he considered himself to be a doctor. He wasn't a real doctor, but hey, pride led him to believe, I am a doctor. He turned the hotel into the Baker Cancer Hospital claiming to have the cure for the disease for obviously cancer. That's what we're talking about. Now, if I believe correctly, what he did is that since um, the Crescent Hotel was on the was in Eureka Springs, right next to natural spring water, it was believed that drinking that would cure cancer along with fasting. 
And naturally what happened was a lot of patients died because they weren't getting the proper, the proper medical care to cure cancer. Just drinking spring water and it's not going to cure cancer. We need, unfortunately, way more aggressive forms of medicine, even in this day and age. Um, also, the patients who died under his care were buried in the hotel's basement, which served as a makeshift morgue. He was arrested in 1940, but even his patients are still free to roam the hospital slash hotel, and the hotel is still open. Guests often say they see apparitions and hear voices during these, their stays. And that brings us back to our next location here, which is Abbeville, Alabama. We have an entity here known as Huggin' Molly. Abbeville, Alabama, Abbeville, Alabama is home to the local legend of Huggin' Molly. As the legend goes, beginning in the early 1900s. An oversized figure clad in all black began roaming the streets at night looking for unsuspecting victims. Once she fixates on someone, she hugs the person and screams ever so loudly loudly in their ears. Many, many people have recounted hearing stories of being chased by what they believe was Huggin' Molly. Local parents have even taken advantage of the story to keep their children in line. The town embraces its nighttime warden, proudly calling itself the home of Huggin' Molly. There's even a family-friendly, a family-friendly restaurant named after her. Hmm. That's interesting. So, our next place here is located in Surrency, Georgia, known as the Surrency House Ghost. The Surrency the clan began experiencing paranormal activities in present-day Surrency, Georgia, in the 1870s. Family members reported witnessing objects soaring across rooms, hearing laughter and crying, and seeing red eyes staring into the house. Food was thrown from their plates, and utensils twisted into unusable shapes. The townspeople speculated these occurrences were cries for help from spirits who thought the family would be able to save them. One day, the, the family decided to finally leave the house. A fire iron allegedly floated up and started hitting one of the sons on the head. No one was ever brave enough to live in the house again, and the building went up in flames in 1925. And next, I take you to Mariana, Florida. Now, this story is known as the Ghost of Billamy Bridge. Now, this story is a story of haunting true love. 
if you travel over this spooky bridge located in, as we said, Mariana, Florida, there has been several ghost legends surrounding their structure. And according to its own website, in the 1830s, Elizabeth Jane Croom Bellamy married a local politician, Dr. Samuel C. Bellamy, and on her wedding night, her dress accidentally caught on fire, which covered the young bride in horrible burns. She initially survived, but occasion eventually she passed away. Elizabeth is buried alongside the banks of the Japula River, and it is said that her love for her husband was so strong she couldn't rest. The deceased newlywed dressed in white can allegedly be seen wandering the banks from the vantage point of the bridge, which was built after she died. It is said that she appears on fire either walking through the swamps or dividing or diving straight into the river as if to douse the stream as, as if to douse the flames or she's somberly walking along the side of the river and our next location is down in Mississippi this place is in Biloxi, Mississippi, and this is known as the Ghost of Deer Island. So back in 1922, especially on May 20th, a man named Anthony Rogusen, aka Mr. Tony, relayed this tale in a column in the Sun Herald. He writes that in the early 1800s, two fishermen, fishermen spent the night on Deer Island off of Biloxi's coast. They heard noises that they ignored until it became impossible to do so. When they went to go see what was causing the ruckus, they claimed that they found a headless skeleton that ran after the pair. They immediately made a beeline for their boat and got off the island immediately. It said that the bony frame belonged to a pirate who had his head chopped off by his captain, and his body was left in a ghastly guard to watch over buried treasure. So that one is more like local lore than um, a natural ghost story, paranormal story, but who knows, maybe there is something there. I'm actually not too familiar with um, Biloxi, Mississippi, but I did not expect to hear a Okay, story about pirates. Interesting, though, of course. And our next location is located in Missouri. This is Wildwood, Missouri. And this place is called, is known as, I should say, I should say, as Zombie Road. I accidentally called it Zombie Island, which is a Scooby-Doo movie that I used to watch when I was little, but this is called Zombie Road. And this is located just outside St. Louis. It is a hotbed of ghostly activities. And there's a, apparently a lot, a lot more scary stories stemming from Lawyer, Lawler Ford Road. That's his actual name. There's sightings from Native American spirits wandering this stretch to victims of train accidents where there used to be active train tracks. 
um, there was a woman who was struck there by a pa- struck by a passing train, and in the 1950s, it became a popular late night teen hangout spot, with various murders happening in the area too. It's also been rumored to be the home base of a room of a murderer named Zombie, who apparently escaped a mental asylum. These days, the stretch has been re-inchristened with a nature trail, but it's since closed at night, so no visitors once nightfall comes. And our next place here is located in Oklahoma, more especially, more specifically, it's located in Rutherford, Rutherford, Oklahoma. This place is known as Dead Woman's Crossing. Now, this story is a regular murder mystery turned ghost story, according to Atlas Obscura. Now, as the story goes, in the early 1900s, in Rutherford, Oklahoma, Katie DeWitt James left her home with her baby after she filed for divorce from her husband. She had moved, she had planned to move into her another house, her cousin's house, but her family never heard from her. Now, after an investigation, it turned out that she moved in with a local prostitute named Franny Norton. She was last seen leaving the house with Franny and her child in a carriage. Franny returned with the child, who was covered in blood, but without Katie. Her body was later found along a nearby creek with her head cut off. It was rumored that her ex-husband had killed her with Franny's help, but Franny claimed she she was not involved in Katie's death. But on the day she supposedly was to be questioned by the police, she poisoned herself. And local lore has it that Katie's still around. She allegedly appears in a light blue foot as a light blue light as a she appears as a blue light floating around town and people have reported hearing a woman looking for her baby and the rolling of in the rolling sound of wheels is apparently heard as well. And our la- our last location for this segment is the Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana. Now it's said that numerous spirits are haunting this plantation, which was built in 1796. And this, the in one of the most popular or most well-known entities is of Chloe, who was a slave in the who was a slave that worked on the plantation. It was. It is said that the plantation owner, Clark Woodruff, carried on an affair with his slave, but he ended it abruptly. She began to eavesdrop on his conversations, and he caught her. As punishment, he cut off her ear. She then poisoned the rest of his family with a birthday cake, leaving him all by himself, all alone. The other slaves knew that what she had done, and they actually pretty much avenged his death, and they actually hung her. 
she supposedly is still remain she was supposedly still remains on the property though there is a photograph from 1992 where her spirit is reportedly visible all right guys i'll see you in the third installment segment of this episode i'm having a really great time presenting all these spooky ghost stories to you and i hope you're enjoying these podcasts usually we record podcasts or i recall record podcasts every other every week or every other week which usually lands on a friday thursday or a tuesday sometimes i may change sometimes it won't but usually that's those days Alright, with that being said, and without no further ado, let's move on to our third segment. I'll see you there. Okay guys, and welcome back to our third installment. In this in this segment, I thought I'd take you to more historical locations that is known to be haunted. I know we mentioned the Myrtles Plantation in in the second segment as well, but this time we're gonna zero in on the more historical locations here, more well-known um, spots that are, that are known to be haunted. In our first place, I'm gonna take you to is located in Iowa. You may have heard of it. It's called the Valeska Axe Murder House. So, on June 10th, 1912, Josiah and Sarah Moore were bludgeoned to death inside their home in Valeska. Their four children and two friends who were spending the night that night were also killed. And to this day, the crime still remains a mystery, kind of like Hendrik Kaifecht still remains a mystery. Their home is considered one of the most haunted places in the country, and guests are drawn to it. People even pay up to $400 to stay in this house for one night. $400 is a lot. Um... They say some experiences you can have is when you're on tour of the Felisco X murder house. Some tours have been cut short by children's voices being heard, um, falling lamps, moving ladders, and flying objects. And in 2014, a paranormal investigator stabbed himself after spending the night. They also claimed on their websites who owned the Velisca House Murders, I mean the Velisca Axe Murder House, claimed that skeptics have left believers. That's what they say on the website. So they're saying that anyone who doesn't believe in ghosts, once they spend a night at their house, they believe, believe in ghosts. They completely do 360, and now they believe in the paranormal. Now you may heard of the Lemp Man you may have heard of the Lemp Mansion in St. Louis. I mean it's pretty famous. But the St. Louis, Missouri Lemp Mansion has quite a tragic history that continues to haunt people today. Now the thirty-three room 
house was built in the 1860s by William Limp, a successful brewery, brewery owner who ended up killing himself in 1904, after the youngest of his four sons, Frederick, died. A few years later, his wife also died from cancer in the house. Then, in 1922, William Limp Jr. shot himself in the same room William Sr. killed himself. As if that wasn't enough tragedy for one place, in 1949, Charles Limp, William's third son, shot his dog in the basement of the home and then he killed himself in the in his bedroom. That same year, the house was sold and transformed into a boarding house where reports of hauntings began. According to Destination America, witnesses have experienced, experienced burning sensations and slamming doors. Also, today, the Lemp Mansion is a restaurant and an inn that holds events. On and on Sunday night, the inn hosts a murder mystery dinner. Our next location here is known as the Jean Harlow House in Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles is one of the best destinations for a haunted house hunting excursion if you want to go on one. Now, this house is a Bavarian-style home in Beverly Hills, but it has a particularly gruesome history. Now, in 1932, it was home to the iconic Jean Harlow. Now, if you guys don't know, Jean Harlow was an old actress, and she was known as the original blonde bombshell way before Marilyn Monroe. Now, she lived here with her abusive husband named Paul Byrne when he shot himself in the head while standing in front of the mirror. Their butler discovered him and called MGM instead of the police, so there were tons of rumors that it wasn't actually suicide. So somebody, so the coroner ruled it as a suicide, but some believe that maybe Burns' ex-girlfriend had killed him, and they believe this because. His ex-girlfriend apparently jumped off a boat and drowned to her death just a few days after he supposedly killed himself. And like I said before, he was abusive. So there was speculation that he probably abused his ex-girlfriend in the past as well, as well as Jean Harlow. So he wasn't a good guy and people did not like him. Now, Jean moved out after his death, but she only died a few years later at the age of... She died only a few years later after moving out of the house at the tender old age at, of 26. And what is strange that is that in 1963, celebrity hairstylist J.C. Brigg bought the home and lived there with his girlfriend, the actress Sharon Tate until she left him for Roman Polanski, though they are still friends and remained 
still friends until she was married by the Charles Manson cult. Now, Sharon Tate was the same age as Jean Harlow when she passed. But back when the couple lived in the Harlow house, Tate told several friends of creepy occurrences in the home and even mentioned it in actual interviews. For example, once when she was sleeping in the master bedroom all alone, she saw a creepy little man. Her friends say she believed it to be Paul Burns' ghost. She was so freaked out when she saw the alleged ghost that she ran out of the room and then saw a hanging shadowy corpse with its throat slit in the hallway. There are also stories about two people dying in the swimming pool over the years. The hotel in Monte Vista in Flagstaff, Arizona, has been the site of numerous paranormal guests they can't get rid of. The hotel opened as the Community Hotel in 1927. It was named after the townspeople who helped raise the funds for its construction, and it has a history of underground opium dens, speakeasies, and gambling. Today, the hotel is known for the paranormal activity that haunts some of the rooms and halls. So, guests who have stayed in room 220 have experienced the TV changing channels on its own accord, and some have said they felt cold hands touching them as they sleep. There is another report of a phantom bellboy who knocks on doors and announces, Room service! But when guests go to get the door, there's no one there. One of the most popular stories, and one of the most disturbing encounters, is the sound of an infant crying in the basement. On the hotel website, it reads, Staff have found themselves themselves running upstairs to escape the sound of the cries. Though the, cry, well, though the sounds are very real to those who hear them, there has been no information that has explained the phenomenon. So that's quite interesting. And a bit creepy and a bit sad, if I don't say so myself. Okay, and here's another really interesting location here. Now, this is also located in Los Angeles, California. You may have heard of this place. It's called the Hotel Cecil. And it's claimed to be more cursed than haunted, but in downtown LA's Hotel Cecil, it got a pretty bad rap, which changed its name to Stay on Main. If you're a true crime and paranormal superfan, you've likely already heard of it. But where to begin? There's so many bad things that happened here. There's a literal entire Wikipedia page dedicated to its violent history. Their first recorded death by suicide was recorded in 1931, followed by a string of familiar deaths 
1932, 1934, 1937, 1938, of suicides continued well into the 1960s. In 1962, a woman jumped from the ninth floor window and landed on a pedestrian, which killed them both. It's worth noting that two of the women who died by suicide apparently jumped while their husbands were asleep in the room. In 1964, a tenant named Goldie Osgood was brutally murdered, a crime which has been, which has remained an unsolved mystery. Next, in the 1980s, the infamous serial killer Richard Ramirez, aka known as the Night Stalker, stayed in the hotel in the 1990s. Oh, and in the 1990s, Austrian serial killer Jack Alterwedge lived there. Other real thing, other weird things kept happening, but the weirdest is definitely the disappearance of and death of the 21-year-old traveler Eliza Lamb. A few weeks after Lamb went missing, her body was discovered in the rooftop water tank after visitors and tenants complained about a funky taste. Now apparently the taste they were describing was something among the taste of onions getting into the water. And they literally up and they later found odd footage of her in the elevator from the night of her disappearance. It's difficult to make out what she was doing it looks like she was either playing hide-and-seek with someone outside the elevator or she was frightened and attempting to hide from someone, but the doors won't seem to shut. Authorities ruled the death as an accidental drowning. But because you need a key to access the roof, many suspect foul play. And I don't know if any of you guys ever saw that footage, but it's a strange and why would she climb into the water tank? And how did she get the keys to even get on the roof? That's the question. And we're going to jump all the way from Los Angeles to Taiwan to the Lu family mansion. Now this mansion was built in 1929 in the Baroque style. And it's a quite the freaky place with a sad and heartbreaking history. It's located in the Taiwanese countryside and it's been abandoned since the 1950s when their family abruptly fled the, fled the place. And like all mysterious places, there's a bunch of folklore surrounding the family and why they left this beautiful mansion hidden in the countryside. Local legend says that the maid was having an affair with her employer, and when the secret came out, she jumped down the well to her death. 
but since you did not live to tell the tale, who's to say that it wasn't another family member who had pushed her into the well to her death? Who knows? When she came back to haunt the family, that's when they finally left. A few years later, it was occupied by members of the Kumantang of China, many of whom thought it Many of those people thought were many of these people were thought to have died of suicide, which you know propelled the bad reputation as this place of being haunted. And people also have apparently reported plenty of ghostly sightings. And next, I bring you to the Los Freelas Murder Mansion in, you guessed it, Los Angeles, California. So, during the mid-20th century, this large Los Freelas home was the surprisingly happy home of Dr. Harold Perelson and his family until the horrific night of the 6th of December, 1959, when he murdered his wife in her sleep with a ball pen a ball pen hammer and attempted to murder his three children before drinking acid to kill himself fortunately his oldest daughter let out a scream when he struck her in the head waking up the younger children who walked into the hallway to find out what was going on during the commotion they were all able to, f- to flee before the murder suicide he was a success before the murder suicide he was a successful doctor who invented a new type of syringe after investing most of money to research and production but he got screwed out of the rights leading investigators to blame financial problems Other creepy details include a passage of Dante's Divine Comedy, which was left on his bedside table when it was left open. Two years later, it was sold to the Enriquez family, who used it as a storage unit, and their son continued to do so until until he sold it to a couple in 2016 with plans to fix up the infamous mansion but it seems to have scared them off because within a few years it's back on the market again photographers also felt a feeling of needing of needing to run away from the house when it get up close to it and from that mansion i take you all to the villa di the villa di vici in italy Villa di Vecchi is foreboding, alright. Just consider that looming fog blanket that shrouds the whole building. Now, this mansion is located near Lake Como, Italy. It is known as the House of Witches, and it dates back to 1854, and it was built in the summer... It was built as a summertime house for Count Felix de Vici. The family was only able to spend a few years here 
as their family lives were mirrored in a tragedy right as it was built. First, the archetype which built the mansion died a year after construction. Then, in 1862, Count de Vichy came home to discover his wife had been murdered and his daughter was missing. When he could not find her after a year of searching, he died by suicide. Then his brother moved into the home, and his family continued to live there until World War II. It's been vacant since the 1960s, and an avalanche in 19... An avalanche in 2002 wiped out all the houses in the area, except for this mansion. Spooky. And now I take you to Mizpah Hotel in Tanapa, Nevada. In 1907, Mizpah Hotel opened as one of the most opened as one of the first luxury hotels in Nevada. With a rich history and an elaborate decor, the hotel is best known for the legend of the Lady in Red. While the date remains unclear, the story goes like this. A woman was murdered in her room on the fifth floor. Some say it was Angelic's ex-boyfriend, while others say the Lady in Red had been caught cheating by her husband and he killed her in a jealous rage. Now those who have said now those who have stayed in the hotel say the red say the lady in red whispers in men's ears and leaves pearls from her broken necklace on guest pillows. Guests can stay in the lady in red suite to experience it for themselves, and if that's too much for you, the Red Lady Bloody Mary Hotel restaurant should should suffice. And our next location is the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Weston, West Virginia. The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was designed to house 250 patients when it opened in 1864, but if we fast forward to the 1950s, when the faculty reached its peak and could and had more than 2,400 patients living in its overcrowded and inhumane conditions, with some even kept in cages. In 1994, the asylum closed, and today there are reports of paranormal activity the souls of patients lingering and roaming the halls. You can take an overnight ghost hunt tour from 9pm to 5am at the asylum, or a two-hour paranormal tour from 10.30 to 12.30, or even a 90-minute day tour if you really want to. Now, our next location is the Merchant House Museum in New York. Seeing as it's the only preserved and intact family home from the 19th century in all of New York City, it makes sense that this house is haunted and the subject and source of many ghost stories. The Treadwell family lived here for over 100 years, and the last family occupant was Gertrude, the youngest daughter who died in the home in 1933. 
staff, visitors, and even passerby say they experience weird, disembodied things here. And if you don't believe that, you can even take a candlelit ghost tour of the museum to decide for yourself. And if you don't want to catch an apparition out of the corner of your eye or hear children playing on floorboards in empty rooms, you'll at least get the sense that you're intruding on someone else's space in a completely different time since it was virtually the same as when Gertrude had died. And I take you back to California, but this time we're going to San Francisco to the Queen Anne Hotel. Now, in 1890, the Queen Anne Hotel in San Francisco was a school for girls. Today, it is a 48-room hotel for guests, and some believe the ghost of Miss Mary Lake, who was the school's mistress, well, the school's headmistress still lingers in the hotel today, haunting people. Folks say who's folks who stay in room four ten say Miss Mary Lake's former office have woken up to find their blankets completely tucked around them and their clothes have been unpacked. And our last location for this segment is the Lizzie Borden House in Fall River, Massachusetts. In, 19, in 1882, 1892, sorry, Lizzie Borden was the main suspect for the axe murders of her father and stepmother. Borden was tried and acquitted of the murders, and guests who visit the Lizzie Borden house in Fall River say that she can still be heard cackling about it. Others say that you can sometimes hear a maid screaming for help, and that Lizzie's slaughtered parents stalk the grounds. You can experience the paranormal activity yourself by visiting the Lizzie Borden house, which is now a bed and breakfast and a museum. And I'll see you guys in our fourth and final segment of this episode. It was a real joy recording it and doing the research for it. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And I'll see you then.
and welcome to our fourth and final segment of this evening. And for this evening, for this segment, I just want to just return back to Reddit and tell you a few more ghost stories I found extremely interesting. Now, the first story I'm going to tell you guys is from a Redditor with the username Solid Voice. And apparent, according to this user, they live in a ha- in a haunted house that is haunted by a young boy. And to quote this user, I will say, "There is the ghost of a young boy who lives in our house, and our guests have even seen him. We rent from the original owner, and there is no bad history." But a dozen of people have seen him walking around upstairs. I leave my phone on the nightstand at night, and I often find hundreds of scribbles open on the notepad when I wake up. And this story comes from the redditor named Mama Lana. And to quote her story, I will I will begin. One night when my daughter was two and a half years old. We were home alone talking right before bed. We were playing a game where we gave all her stuffed animals silly names. Named last one as we named the last one and she asked, What's her name? I I said something along the lines of, Who? Honey, we already named everyone. She then points to the blank wall and says, that little girl. Now I don't know if it was just an overactive imagination or something else. All I know is that it freaked me out enough to sleep with the lights on for the next few weeks. Now this story is from the Redditor Hill Hill Bean and I will quote his story by saying I lived alone in an old house in the historic district of Memphis. I'd often get woken up in the middle of the night to country music coming from the radio. I don't listen to country music, and the radio had a dial. I'd have to change the dial back to my normal station while I was getting ready for work in the morning. Now, this story is from a redditor named Coral Bird 13. One night, my mom heard a crash noise in our kitchen, but figured I was up and dropped something. The next morning, my dad walked downstairs and thought there was ice on the kitchen floor. But after he said looking at it, the ice wasn't melting. It was shards of glass. They cleaned out the glass, which was on the floor, countertops, and even under the lip of the countertops, along the top of the drawers and cabinets. It was as if someone stood back and threw a glass object at the ball or something. We had no idea what it was from. The glass was too thick to be any of the vases or glasses or even some bowls in the house. We had a huge family meeting in the kitchen trying to figure out what happened and where the glass came from. We have, we still have no idea. And this ghost story from the Redditor, the Snatch, the Redditor with the username, the Snatchmo, 
and I quote him when I say, I'm sure there is a ghost playing tricks on me. One evening I was watching TV while sitting back on the sofa. I had a rubber band in my hand and flicked it across the room in an arc behind the TV. Next thing I know, it drops in my head. Next thing I know, it drops on my head. There wasn't enough power to bounce walls. I have no idea how it ended up on my head. Now this story is a story from the Redditor user's childhood. Um, the Redditor's name, username is Akara is my savior. I have memories of as a young child in a certain house. Several bizarre things happened. I have no logical explanation for them. The best I can do to explain them logically are hallucinations. But I have never experienced anything away from that home. The oddest one to me had to do with my new wallpaper. We had to change it. It had dinosaurs on it. I could see the dinosaurs marching around and killing each other. This happened during the same time, several nights until we took it down. Items used to move and get thrown on their own accord. A particular favorite was a rocking chair that would change positions and rock. One night when my grandparents were staying over, I awoke to someone I didn't know in the rocking chair who looked strange. A stuffed animal a stuffed animal walked one time. I awoke with scratches that looked like nails. Maybe it was just my effed up child brain, but I don't remember it that way. The scratches were really strange. Now this story is from a redditor with the username M420 here. And I quote the story by beginning. When I lived in Minnesota, I would never go I would go over to my friend's house a lot. One day I was sitting on the couch watching TV and I heard a little girl screaming in my ear. It was like she was screaming at the top of her lungs, but the volume was turned down, so it wasn't the true volume of a scream. There was nothing there, obviously, so I just wrote it off. Well, a week later, one of the guys whipped his head around and said, I just heard a girl screaming. We both knew there was some we both knew there was no one else in the house. I didn't hear a girl screaming, but then neither did anyone else when she screamed in my ear. I don't think she was mean or bad. I think she was sad, lonely, wanting attention. I felt bad I couldn't reach out to her. And this story from Redditor user Too Abstract 788 tells this story. I was late I was late night gaming. My dog was hanging out with me and started to bark into the dark bedroom. When I went to check it out, I could hear fingernails scratching inside my bedroom closet. As I got closer, the scratching started getting quieter. The sound stopped when I was right in front of the closet. Crash! Stuff started hitting the inside of the closet door. I ran straight outside. 
No way I was going to stay in there alone this time. Thirty minutes go by and my buddy comes over to check things out with me. I opened a closet to find all my clothes and hangers all over the floor of the closet. We searched every wall and ceiling for any secret openings. No secret doors could be found. Another story by Redditor What in the Name. And to quote this story, When I was younger, I was helping my aunt clean an office she was hired to clean, and lots of stuff happened there. The one that spooked me the most when I was emptying trash cans while my aunt vacuumed, vacuumed and my brother did dishes. Suddenly, a man's voice whispered in my ear, Q, 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 kind of like he was playing with a toy gun. We were the only people there. And, there's the, and these last couple stories I want to tell y'all are from the goat.com or actual goat.com. It's what it called. It's what it's called. And this story is called The Nun. And I'm not sure who submitted this story. Doesn't actually give like a username or anything like that, but I'm gonna tell y'all any anyway. So the nun begins like this. One night I woke up to what looked like a nun who was frantically praying next to my bed. I couldn't hear her, but she kept making the sign of the cross across her chest. I was 100% awake and terrified. I told my mom about it the next day, and she said her house was originally built for a priest, and that nuns used to stay there. Another story from Goat.com is the woman in white, and this story goes like this. I woke up one night having to pee, and I brought my phone to the bathroom. While walking, while walking down the hall and texting, I bumped into a girl in a white dress. I didn't look up and said sorry and kept going. It occurred to me moments later that I was home alone and not in my bustling high school. The next day, when my boyfriend came to pick me up for the movies, he asked me why I had he asked me why I had been staring at him through the upstairs window, and why I changed out of my white dress. But I didn't even own a white dress. And our last and final story is called a child's embrace. Now, this story is from a mortician, also from the website goat.com. And the story begins like this. I'm a mortician. My most disturbing experience was when I was preparing a child for a viewing. I randomly felt someone pull my hair, but I was alone. A couple moments later, I heard a giggle, and the door slammed shut. All of my machines stopped and it was dead quiet. After I was done and the body was dressed, I felt a tap on my shoulder and warmth around my midside, approximately where a child would stand as if they were hugging you. And that marks the end of our episode. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. It was really fun telling ghost stories with y'all. 
And I hope to see you guys enjoy this episode and join us for the many, many episodes still to come. As I said before, we do these episodes usually on a Tuesday, Thursday, or Friday. Every week or every other week. And I hope you join us for that too. If you're not already, join us on Facebook.com. And become a listener here on Anchor.com as well. Alright, that does it for this episode. I'm going to see you guys in the outro. See you then. Alright y'all, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It was really a lot of fun to get spooked, to tell spooky stories and learn something new about all around the world. New haunted locations up I have never actually heard about before. And I hope to do a couple more episodes like this. Where it's just kind of like freelance telling of ghost stories. Not a specific location um, is in the spotlights. It's all over the place. And as I said before, join us on Facebook. Join the group Demi Mond Paranormal. We'll be happy to have you. We'll be happy to welcome you into the paranormal family. With that being said... I wish y'all a good night, sweet dreams, behave yourself, make good choices, and I'll see you next week for a new episode. Until then, good night.